Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 106 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk to Meb Kifleski. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational, and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hello, runners. Welcome to episode 106. Hello, Letty. How is it going? Not bad. How about you? Very, very good. So we're Ryan and Letty, and we have a weekly podcast about all things running. We don't try to be experts, but we try to bring you the experts. And that ranges from marathon or even shorter distance training to mental training to nutrition. We try to bring on people that have very inspiring stories, uh, race recaps. So, and today we actually are going to have an interview with Meb Kifleski. Who is Meb? You don't know Meb? I do. I'm talking about for people that might not know who Meb. <laughs> so Mev Kifleski is a retired Eritrean-born American long-distance runner. He won an Olympic silver medal in, I think it was 2004, and he's won the New York Marathon, the Boston Marathon, the year after the bombing. Uh, he's a graduate of UCLA, where he won four NCAA championships. And I mean, there's so much to him. And now he became an ambassador for the sport of running. So even though he retired, he's 47 now, he still shows up to races and does motivational speeches. He's written books. He's just one of the probably most known people in the running world. And you get to talk to him. And I get to talk to him. Hopefully you have good questions for him. Well, I reached out to our audience. And on that note, let me invite people to join our awesome Facebook group. It's called Speed Striders, where we're not really speedy. Our slogan is speed is relative, finishing is absolute. So it's a community of runners all over the world encouraging each other to, you know, basically finish your run. So I reached out to that Facebook group and I got quite a few questions, um, mostly about aging and running and mistakes he's made, things of that nature. Sounds interesting. So when did he retire? I believe it was after the Boston Marathon in 2014. I don't know the exact year. So it's been a while. He's eight years retired. Mm -hmm. Seems like a fun way to stay involved in the sport if you really still love it. Yeah, he really has a big love for it. You can tell because even when he goes to these events, smaller events, he stands there and he hands out medals and he cheers people on. So that's really kind of cool. Even your coach, uh, Ron Tab, who is your link to Meb, still stays involved a bit with the running and he knows a lot of the people involved in the marathons, which is kind of neat. Yeah, I think it's kind of a lifetime sport, wouldn't you say so? I mean, I guess it can be it for can some be, people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess a lot of sports can be, but a lot also can't. It's hard to play football, you know, as you get into 
retirement age or older. Yeah, because there's really no game for it, right? Whereas with running, you can still run a marathon just by signing up, just by showing up and finishing it. It's about finishing versus, I don't know if there's any older men football leagues. Is there? <laughs> I'm sure there are, actually. but Yeah, but not as not as much. I think you kind of get injured, you retire. And well, you need a whole team, too. And like running is kind of a neat individual sport. You don't need anyone. Yeah, maybe maybe that's it. That's sometimes it, it's cool. I think it's sometimes hard for people who are really hyper competitive in sports and did have done really well to continue to do it when you're maybe not as fast or if you just don't want to go as fast because people have that expectation for you to be fast or good in a sport. Yeah. I don't like the whole you have to retire at your prime mentality because I feel like that's kind of mostly for the fans because they don't want some to see somebody not at their best but for the athlete if they still enjoy it they should just be able to do it i think this is my opinion they should have the middle of the packers of a marathon be followed by the tv crews during a marathon and air that like randomly call somebody out like in the middle of the thing and they have a bunch of cameras following them and stuff and they'll be like looking around like what's going on <laughs> yes they should have a drawing where they just pull a random bib and say this is the person that's going to be televised <laughs> there's liz running her her marathon and you know she's got seven children at home but she made the sacrifice that'd be kind of cool. cool that would be kind of cool actually and then there'll be like this whole backstory on national tv and everything that's <laughs> like, kinda cool. it would be kind of cool you have like the motorcycle come up in front of them with the camera and like <laughs> following them and and then you have a guy on a bike running by with his water bottle and he like hands the water bottle to him and the person's and like the person's why am i getting like, water what's going on <laughs> i've got a belt <laughs> All right. Anyway, are you ready for the interview with Meb? Sure. All right. Without any further ado, we're now going to play my conversation with Meb Kifleski. All right. So I am here with Meb Kifleski. Meb, thank you so much for your time and thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Larry. Good to be with you. Good to see you again. Yeah, you too. So I want to dive right into this because I know you're really busy and you know my background as immigration attorney and I'm also an immigrant in the United States and I've read a lot of stuff on how your perseverance uh, along with obviously talent and hard work has a good outcome but I kind of want to have us have you take us back to your younger years how you grew up and the fact that you had never seen an automobile until you moved. Um, could you maybe address that a little bit? Absolutely. Well, first, I want to say hi to Ron Tab. I knew, you know, I know he connected us. He was, a, as you can see in my background, the Olympic ring. He gave me the first Olympic ring before I had made an Olympian because from my high school graduation, Ron was a mentor and he gave me the uh, a flag, a little flag that had the Olympic ring. So, yeah, I mean, being an Olympian is great. I think you strive as every athlete's goal to be participate or the Olympic trials or make the Olympic team fortunate enough. And then you once you participate, it's not even about the medals, but about partaking in the Olympics. So I was born in Eritrea, which is north, northeast of Africa and Horn of Africa and no electricity, no running water. I was born in the capital, but I moved to the village when I was really infant very young kid and uh you know but at the same time you know opportunities to go to school there were a lot of war effect that kind of put landmines scattered all over the country and uh, you know you go through only lottery to go to go education so it was it was tough you know um you gotta you know running water when i said that means you gotta go to the well collect water bring water from the well and carry it home or put it on the donkey 
or you got to go, no stoves here there, so you got to go to the climb trees or go as far as you can to find, because it's scary, you know what, everybody wants it, it's going to go farther, farther away, so, you know, when you find leaves or branches or bark from a tree, so you have to climb to get as high as you can, and because everybody else is doing the same thing, so that was my start life, and, uh, and then, you know, my dad and mom, um, my dad has to walk over 225 miles to save his life from because he was wanted by the Ethiopian military. So he has to save his life and leaving behind a wife and five kids born and one on the way. But because of lack of electricity or ultrasound, they didn't know what gender is going to be. But they made a commitment to each other that, you know, if it's a girl, call her Amina. If it's a boy, call him the Imnet. That means we trust that one day if I make it, if I make it a safe land, I will look after you guys. And luckily for us, it took him seven days to get to Sudan. And, uh, you know, he got a job right away. And then eventually um, I have a sister um, from his previous girlfriend, uh, Leta Michael. So my sister Ruth is, was born, the oldest one. And she, his, her mom helped him stay from Sudan to Italy. And, uh, and then eventually when he got to Italy, um, after five years of separation, he worked hard. And then, in fact, as he said, immigration, you know, there's a lot, lot of bureaucracy in that. But his boss, Dr. Brindici, who was a... Uh, helping him out kind of did him a favor to do paperwork and things like that to make sure he was good. And then also, um, you know, he, my dad asked him when they became friends, he says, can you do me a favor? He's like, what do you need? He's like, I need you to lend me money. He's like, well, Dr. Brinch says his boss said, how much do you need? He's like, I need 10 million lira in 1986. That was about 6,000 US dollars, 10, 10 million lira. And he says, well, is that to save one person or to save everybody? And, he said, you know, it would save my wife and six kids uh, with the money that him and what Little Michael has saved. And then he said, well, come back on Wednesday. He came back on Wednesday. He gave him a full envelope of uh, cash of 10 million lira. He said, this is not a loan. It's a gift. And that's how we got saved. And, you know, so while we were doing the paperwork, I remember I saw an automobile when we moved from the village to close to my dad's village. And I remember it was one roadway. I looked at the thing. It's coming straight at me and there was bushes on the left, bushes on the right. I just ran away to the bushes and because it looked like it was narrow road and trees, it's going to come straight at me. And that's probably one of the most memorable that I, I ran away from automobile. But, you know, same, similarly, you know, my mom did her part to work hard uh, as a husband uh, and wife to make sure we were fed. And but we didn't have a lot just to close on our back. And uh, but where's the will is a way and God gave us a grace to be able to reunite it. 10 years, uh, I mean, five years after we, we, we separation from my dad and I was 10 years old and uh, I remember going on the plane, you know, I fly all the time now. In fact, I was on the plane today, but, uh, you know, you, you, you know, but when you don't know that they'd have to do the protocols for safety and all that stuff, you look at a little tiny window, but open, open area, you're like, I can't lean too much forward because it might fall off. So, so it was nervous, nerve wracking, but at the same time, we feel very blessed. And I remember I was 10 years old um, when we moved to Italy. I saw a television for the first time and I have no idea how the people fit inside the TV. So I went behind the TV, see if the people were there. So it's, but you got to accelerate and learn quick. And then I remember speaking Italian fluently in six months. So we were take, ready to take uh, the opportunity that was provided for us all. And, that, and now, same, same now, I don't take things for granted. I try to work hard as I can, but obviously nothing is handed to you, especially with running, you got to earn it. Right, right. And uh, I mean, I like how you said where there's a will, there's a way because 
it's it's too easy for us now. We have literally everything at our fingertips. We don't even have to get up because nowadays, I mean, I grew up when we didn't have a remote for the TV. <laughs> and now you literally don't have to get up or do anything. And and if it's not instant gratification, then a lot of people don't understand that, you know, stuff takes a lot of work too. You know, the antenna on the TV, you know, sometimes you got to go fix it and then you'll be able to stay there, stay there because <laughs> it's not doing sound, but now you go to hotels, your your phone becomes your remote control. You know, it's kind of <laughs> crazy right, how right. much we have advanced, but, you know, we're we're lucky to see the other side of it because most people who are born, I got my father of three now, and they don't know what those means, you know, but, you know, because it makes you appreciate, you know, uh, you know, what, where you have come from and how fast the world changes and you know, now it's, you know, you got everything on your phone, you know, you can live stream it <laughs> and whatnot. It's and crazy. It's yeah, good, And then it's good and bad, you know, it's good and bad. Like you said, yeah. I mean, this, obviously we have our, our own level of pride in saying we only had three channels. We had to get up <laughs> to flip the channel and now it's not, but do you ever feel like you are trying to, I mean, cause it's kind of a fine line, right? You've earned the place to be where you are now. And of course you want to reap the benefits of it, but then at the same time, do you ever worry about your children because they are born into something that they don't have to work for? And do you ever feel like there could be a lack of work ethics or how are you making sure that you bring that to their lives? Almost well, definitely, as, as uh, you alluded to earlier, you're an immigrant and a mom of a second generation. And yeah, I mean, well, they're lucky they're, you know, our parents want, have, want us to have a better future, which we do have a better future than they did. We want them to have a better future, but it's a fine line now, you know, you know, we knew where we came from to earn those privileges or we earn those hard work houses or cars or other things. And, but now for them, it's, it's the new normal and hopefully they, they will uh, have a better future than we do, but at the same time, it's uh, it's gonna be, is it gonna be motivating for them to have those privileges or uh, that we that we have provided for them, or is gonna be hindrous to them? Um, we're gonna wait and see. I I worry. I'm not gonna lie to say I don't worry about it, but I try to my wife Yordanos and I try to teach them the morals. We try, in fact, we're going to Eritrea here soon and then about a week or so to let them know where we came from and things like that. So they have uncles, cousins and aunts that, that are able to, you know, they don't have the things they have. So, you know, I, I know I have to pinch myself. Is it really happening to me? Stuff like that. And I'm not sure they do that because they were born to it. But and you can't blame them for that. No, exactly. But I think you're doing it right with uh, exposure being the number one thing. That's that's exactly what um, my husband and I talk about, that, uh, you know, immersion, exposure, and then obviously trying to keep it humble to where, you know, just because they want something, we don't just give it to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, at the same time, you know, we, we try to, you know, if it, for me, it's always been, is it a need? Is it a is it a want? If it's a need, you're going to have it. You're gonna, I'm going to do whatever I can to give it to you. Is it a, you know, I want it and now, and then I don't mind saying no, which is, you know, uh, <laughs> which is, I'm not, not, not because I don't want to have it. It's just, you have to understand this is more of a privilege, but, you know, they, you become product of your society. So, you know, Charles Darwin, I guess, you know, but if you live in a, Nice area. You got to be and if everybody's dressed up nice or wear some type of model shoes and things like that, and then you're going to want some of that. So 
we'll see. But uh, at the same time, but keeping them humble, kind of reiterate to them, hey, you know, and I don't, you know, I, I'll be honest, I want them to read the book so they can understand, but I can't shove that down the throat either. You know, it just, you know, they're wrong to overcome my autobiography or the family autobiography. I would love for them to under under read it and understand how far we have come. But if they don't want, I don't want them to, you know, to, to kind of tell them what to do in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully everything turns out okay. Yeah. But anyway, so, okay. So I wanted to talk to you. I mean, like I've alluded to how you use your platform to encourage the everyday runner to stick with it, no matter how old we are. And I think that's what we really love about you being out there. You hand out the medals. And I have a few questions that come from our audience. Uh, one of them being from Dr. Jason Glenn Willis. He wants to know what differences you've noticed racing in your 20s, 30s, and for these, such as changes in speed recovery, and uh, what did you have to do as you age to still be competitive at the highest level that you were at? You know, uh, in the 20s, it was a great year for me. Uh, I was 26 when I broke the American record in the 10K, and then 27, I did my first marathon, 29. I won a medal for our country, and uh, but I was, you know, I think 5K, 10K to the marathons, what I would transition in, and then in the 30s, I still made, you know, uh, I was 37 when I finished the fourth at the Olympic Games after missing Beijing. Beijing Olympics 2008 was supposed to be my peak peak period. I was in 2000. Olympics 2004, where I won the silver. I missed Beijing 2008. And then 2012, I, I was fourth. And then 2016, 16, I was 41 years old and ended up getting 33rd, I believe. But it was not my best. I stopped seven times the, the humidity in Rio, uh, Brazil kind of got to me. And but progress. I think, you know, diet is important sleep is important. Training is, is important. And then eventually I just, you know, when I did the Boston victory in 2014, I started doing nine day cycle. I know there's seven days in a, in a week, but for me, I have to adapt where I talk metaphor mortals in my book that make a nine day cycle. So don't rush to get in a workout and the long run and in tempos and, and not because we're not, we're not, I'm not recovering enough. I might get injured. So those are the important ones, but you know, I used to say age is just a number, but a fine line when it is, uh, you know, it can be starting and say, I'm old when it gets to the starting line, but you have to have the positive thinking and say, hey, there might be 21, 22 years old, but I might be 40, 41, but I'm going to compete to the best that I can. But as I got older, probably 45, 46, that, uh, that my body started definitely feeling the effect of the males that I have done. But luckily I'm retired. I don't have to push it. So I just still enjoy post retirement i still love it i still go out for a run almost every day and at least five days a week about four to six months you got to find a medium happy to kind of help your body your body balance yeah and i i guess that's another question um because i'm assuming you're human and you have a <laughs> few uh times where you don't want to run either so alejandro ochoa rivera is asking what is your motivation what motivates you to run even when you don't feel like it Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, for me, I'm a morning person. I have to get it done. So regiment makes big, um, uh, big impact. I got to do in the morning. Otherwise, if I don't get it done before 11, especially in Florida, that's not going to get done. You know, it's too hot. Um, but um, 
you know, when I was an elite athlete, I would always thought somebody, I, I don't want anybody to out, out train me or smart me. You know, I want to train as hard as I can work, do it. And then if they train better than I did and worked harder than I do, then they deserve to win. So I respect that, but I'm not going to skip, you know, because it's too hot or too cold or the too windy. I don't want to skip that for not being for me to get defeated. So that's the kind of what got me out of the door. But at the same time, everybody have different, uh, you know, having somebody accountable with you will get you to force you to meet them up, to meet them up. But if you're by yourself, which by myself, sometimes I have done. And I tell people, well, if you weren't here, I probably would not have done that run. So you have to be self-motivated, but sometimes when it's not pleasant outside and then you can, you can slack off a little bit, but I have not met anybody that says that was the worst run. You know, you always feel like you don't want to do it, but you come back motivated and have done nice job with it. Very true. Nobody ever regrets a run. Yeah. Um, another question comes from my personal friend, Tanya Thompson Canterbury. She's a super fast runner. She runs, I think her record is a 254 for the Boston Marathon, and she is currently injured. So along those lines, she would like to know if an injury has ever set you back. And if so, how long it took to recover and to come back? Well, speedy recovery on that because injuries are part of the sport and disappointment are part of life. And I, you know, when I do a lot of commencement speech or speaking engagement, I, I said that a lot, you know, you know, it's expected to be injured and you didn't get injured because you're sitting on the couch. You got injured because you're trying to push your body to the limit. So the proper way, it depends what kind of injuries there in terms of the amount of time of recovery. If it's a strain, it's going to be a probably days. If it's a, a tear, it's going to be probably, you know, hopefully not, no surgery, but, uh, a longer three three to four weeks, or if you have perfect stress rasher like the way I did, it's going to take eight to 12 weeks. So, you know, you just hope that, you know, as runners, our type A personality, we want to, we, we're supposed to hurt, but you don't want to, if it's not a good hurt, you don't want to be able to just kind of mask it. So, oh, we'll warm up after a mile or two, and then you keep going, and then you're hobbling back, you know, and I, I done that myself where I have walked back from my training, and you think, you know, because you got to get ready for a race, there's a deadline and you're like, I, probably a day off. I tell, like, to this day, I tell people, if I had a week off between the in November of uh, 2017 or in that training for the trials for Beijing, I would have made another Olympic team. I probably potentially could have won another medal, but we are type A personality. We just go, 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 go until we can't go anymore. Don't wait until that. Just let, let, let time heal. But time does heal injuries, whether it's wound or fresh, I never had surgery. I all have been healed, even both my ruptures, quads, I have, you know, recovered through, through the time off. And then you have to get ample time to heal for those. And it might be weeks, it might be months, but at the same time, do something different, whether reading a book, I love reading autobiographies or, um, you know, watch videos or, you know, do spinning or cross training if it's not going to hurt the other muscles or from overcompensation. So just do something different or meet up with friends and things like that. Occupy your time. Otherwise, you're going to go crazy if you're just thinking about the injury, injury. So let it, let it go, accept it as it is. And then how can I get better with this build, rebuilding your muscles or your ligaments or whatever that stuff that injury they have gone. Awesome. Thank you. Another question comes from Sarah Garth and she's asking what is the funniest or weirdest thing, weirdest thing that has happened to you during a race or during a run? <laughs> um, man, that's a tough question. That's the first question. Um, I think probably people crossing the road right in front of you, like you're going, you know, you're going coming at them, but you know, some big races or so they just, 
you know, they want to rush. And then it's like, oh, really? Come on, you know? And, uh, and dogs, I guess there's some dogs incident, you know, nervousness that even in a the race, they will, they, will, they will be loose. And I'm always paranoid when I'm running. I'm, I like pets. I like dogs, but I don't own one. Um, but I have friends who have them and I don't mind one and family member who own one, but I don't mind paying them when I'm sitting down. But when I'm going to move, they want to chase me and play around with me. So, yeah, I think that's probably, um, you know, yeah, I think that's probably the strangest thing on a race. But culture, you know, New York is great. You have different cultures, different ethnicity and people dress differently whenever you go. And then you'll be able to see that. It's pretty neat. And I think I read something about you <laughs> having a nasal strip in oh, your yeah. shoe or something like that, too. I don't want to admit my mistakes, I guess. Yeah. So that was in 2011. Uh, I always have Vaseline, chapstick and uh, breathe right on my pockets before the race. I, you know, I'm going to be there for a few hours. So my, I don't want to have it dry, dry uh, lips. So I like to have chapstick and then I like to have breathe right. And I like to have Vaseline for my toes or private part and things like that. And unfortunately, I didn't have a pocket, those warm ups and I put them in my shoes. That was the last, my racing flask. That's the last thing I was going to go in. And then I had my socks, but I'd have to have a different sock for when I warm up. Somehow the breathe right never came out and I just had signed up with Skechers and um, then have the pocket. So I was in a, and about two miles into the run or so or down New York. I'm like, I feel something on my, on my foot. And I went like this and I said, darn, I guess the breathe right is not on my nose. So it must be on my, on my, what you call it, on my foot, on my foot. And I'm sure it's unfortunate. And then you, uh, I'm assuming you didn't stop. You just kept running with it. Yeah. 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 I um, debated, you know, I, I debated, but, you know, to take it out. I double tied my shoes and all that stuff. And I don't want to lose ground with some of my competitors. And then eventually I think I have to stop anyways to throw up uh, mile 20. And I thought about that also, but uh, I decided, you know what, you just got to go with it. And, uh, and I ran a PR by the way, I ran by uh, three, two seconds faster than I did when I won New York. So whether breathe right is on your nose or any part of your body, you're going to still <laughs> run a PR. <laughs> I'm assuming you do commercials for them now. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So then another question comes from Phil Decker and he's asking, what's the biggest mistake you've made ever during training or racing? And what did you change? Oh, absolutely. So the racing was that I would definitely do the breathe right. I think that's the biggest thing that I, I think I made a mistake. You know, it wasn't that, you know, just having to breathe right. And, and eventually it got infected and you know, it, it, three weeks out it was a costly, costly, costly mistake. But at the same time, I feel blessed. I ran a PR with it. And, um, but in training, I think the one thing I have made a mistake is not taking a day off probably when, when, you know, when I, I mean, after I break the American record, the 10K, I had a tendonitis on my Achilles. And I just, it's going to warm up, it's going to warm up. And then I was by myself. I didn't have a coach. I was at altitude by myself. So I went five miles out, five miles back. I felt a mile three. I'm like, ah, only a couple more miles. And then I came back and then, you know, I have to walk. And then that took me out from the world championships, which I had made. But, you know, it's just, we don't take enough days off. You know, we are top 8% of the day, you know, especially like somebody like myself who's already motivated, driven, want to win. And, and you have a contract that says you have to win or top three, top four finishes to make those meets. You have pressure yourself and pressure from others and type and personality. You want to go the extra mile to succeed and, and it can cost you, you know, races, medals and a lot of financially as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. 
Hmm. All right. So another a couple of questions are Adita Pandey wants to know if a sub two is really a possibility for a marathon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, on a legit course is already done. Uh, Yulit Kipchoge uh, has done it already, uh, sub two hours uh, on a on a on a quaternion course. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the time that as long as everybody's nice and clean, you know, that's, <laughs> that's always if nowadays, but, uh, um, I think he can do it. He could probably do it in a flat course. Um, and then there's, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's like four minute mile, right? Roger Bannister broke it. And then all of a sudden it became normal. But I think there's a lot of guys running 26, 15, 26, 10 and in the, in the 10K or 58 and a change in the half marathon. So I think it can be, it can possibly be done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with time, right? I mean, we'll just see better development with shoes even more so. And yeah, I mean, you know, that's why. I mean, yeah, with the new development of shoes and, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it can happen. I mean, people are running super, super, super fast. It's just a marathon. You know, it's been already done by Kipchoge on a flat course and uh, for 26.2 miles. But now the legitimate course, like if you get tailwind like Boston again, you know, the right person, right time can possibly do that because uh, Geoffrey, I think he ran, Geoffrey ran 203 and it changed 203 flat or 302. So, yeah, I mean, our flat horses, I think, but you need to have a bicyclist give you the fluid and all that stuff instead of going by yourself and all that. And, uh, uh assistance i guess pacing you know it's kind of hard to find a person who can go a full marathon pacing you or taking you to 40 35k or 32k but if you have a cyclist i think you could possibly do it yeah that's cool and then uh sandrine evec wants to know that for you as a professional athlete after competing with the best in the world can you maybe talk a little bit about comparison how to deal with it personally and what advice you have for every runner out there comparing themselves with so many others it could be good and bad i mean it's like somebody saying with the i, I retired before the super shoes you know uh, and it's kind of new that now people who run faster than i have whether it's in 10k or uh, marathons, you know, is that, is it the shoes? Is it because they're talented, they're more talented than I am? Or is it, they worked harder than I am? It's just, we will never know, but for good time's sake, it's good to discuss those, you know, for just conversation purposes, I think. Uh, but, you know, I think, um, it's important to realize we, when were you there, you know, now, unfortunately, some, some, some of our athletes are getting caught with drugs too. So it's kind of like the pre-drug era and the pre- Super shoes era. I, I can't, you know, pre pandemic. I feel blessed to have accomplished my goals, you know, beforehand. And I feel those people who paved the road for me, I'm grateful for that. You know, the, they like winning silver medal. I wanted to be like Frank Schroeder. I want to win New York like uh, uh, Alberto Salazar, who was the last time I wanted to win Boston, just like Bill Rogers or Greg Meyer. So, you know, for me to accomplish all those, I feel I'm completely satisfied. And now, I'd be considered one of them. how how would I rank against those guys? And then, you know, it's up for debate, you know, and I'm, you know, I, I know what I feel internally for myself. So, uh, and others want to debate about that. I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah. And, and that's crazy. I didn't realize you missed the wave of the super shoes. So God knows what that would have done to your, to your time. <laughs> the 4% <laughs> would have already cut off some time. And then all the but, crazy feeling. Lady, the thing is, the, the, uh, the, the thing is, you try your best and um i was I, did, i didn't run my pr was when i was at the boston marathon two weeks shy of my 39th birthday so 
you know, I didn't run my prime. I know I didn't run my PR. So that the, it is my PR, but I know I could have run a lot more faster. What is it? It would be 206, 205, or 207. Who knows? And then imagine that with the sh- that's without the shoes. It's just the weather wasn't right. The pacing was not right. Or I was not in the right fitness at the time. And, you know, but you do what you can. And I'm completely happy with I wonder how would I have done in terms of fast time. Yeah, records are to be made to be broken. My American record has been broken. The 10K is nice to have that record for a while. But the medals is what I pursued for, whether it was winning Boston, New York or winning an Olympic medal. That's what I was pushing for, not for time. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. That, you know, teaches us to just kind of stay within ourselves and not compare ourselves to anyone but ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always say run the winner doesn't mean getting first place. It just means getting the best out of yourself in anything and everything you do. So as long as you can, you can sleep at night restfully that, hey, I did the best that I can with what I got and, you know, no, no, no not to worry about it. Yeah. Perfectly said. So um, thank you so much. And uh, what events can we see you at in the future? You know, hopefully still at the Boston Marathon and New York City Marathon. And, you know, uh, I still love to go to small communities or other races like the Philadelphia and, and or shorter races, whether it was the Bell and Health, uh, Health Run and, you know, and Green Bay, Wisconsin, or Davenport, uh, Davenport, Iowa for the Big Seven. There's many other, or Carlsbad 5000. There's many other races that I still like to take part of, but most of the time, unless it's fall for about four weeks or seven weeks in the fall and the spring, I'm, most time is spent my time with my family. And I've been blessed to have been looked as an ambassador for the sport of running and work with the foundation, maintain excellent balance for health, education, and fitness. For young kids, we have fundraised through the Boston Marathon, New York City Marathon. Hopefully, we can do a segue to other marathons as well. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, I still love the industry of, of running. I love it. And I still am active in, into that. And uh, you can always follow me on marathonmeb.com or runmeb in, in our social media, whether it's Instagram and Twitter. So yeah, it's been a blast to, I never thought, you know, running for P class for get an A or a t-shirt has changed my life. And I feel pl- um, proud and uh, that I have accomplished goals, but I also looked up as a role model to others. So I'm, I feel very blessed. Thank you, Mev. Thank you, Mev, for your time and for talking with me. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope to see you at one of the next races. We look forward to our monthly conversations with Meb. <laughs> this month with Meb. <laughs> It's a new uh, a new segment of the segment show. Segment of the show. And that's not happening, guys. So um, we were lucky <laughs> to have him on. He's a very busy person. So yeah, stay tuned for next week's podcast. Join our Facebook group, and of course, as always, we would love a five star review on Apple. And with that, enjoy your hot summer runs and find your shade. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.